Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the WBNS radio studios in Columbus, Ohio. This is the Nerd Association podcast, where we like to remind you, just because we have cool jobs, it doesn't make us cool. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And today we're joined by a very special guest, uh, somebody near and dear to my heart, for sure. Uh, He's been on the show before, but we're welcome. We are excited to welcome back my brother, Eric Barnett. Uh, not only is he related to me, but he is a singer-songwriter. You can find out more about him online at ericbarnettmusic.com. And if you're ever in the Charleston, South Carolina area, you can. Uh, he's often playing in and around there. So, Eric, thanks for joining us today on Nerd Association. Thanks for having me, fellas. How you doing? Great. All right. And what do you fellas? All right. Uh, what do you guys think about when I talk about DeLoreans or 88 miles per hour or 1.21 gigawatts? I think of Doc Brown and Back to the Future. Yeah. Now, it wasn't all that long ago that we uh, talked about the Karate Kid on this show. And it was revealed in that episode that I had never seen the Karate Kid. And unfortunately, I think it's going to become a bit of a meme on this show that apparently I haven't (laughs) seen any of the poppiest pop culture movies of the 1980s. Because, in fact, I had not seen Back to the Future until it was suggested that maybe we... uh, We do an episode about it on this show. So I, of course, like Karate Kid, there's so much out there in pop culture that I, you know, knew about. Um, Though there was one thing, and we'll we'll touch on this a little bit better later, (laughs) but there was one thing that I assumed about this movie that I really for sure thought I knew about it (laughs) that I was quite wrong about. But we'll we'll come back to that. So for each of you guys, I mean, tell us about the exposure. When did you first see Back to the Future? I think for me, my first exposure to Back to the Future was the second one. So I saw part two first. It was, I think it was for some reason on like a Nick at Night type program. I don't know. It was some sort of cable channel, but it was more meant, it was a more kids channel and it was just on one night and I was watching it and I was really entertained, especially in that second one, they have the hoverboard and stuff. And I'm like, what is this as a kid? Like I just really had no idea what it was and then after i saw that i kind of i kind of searched it out and then when i was probably 12 or 13 i bought the trilogy on dvd and that's when i watched the whole thing through so i guess 13 is when i saw the first one well the first time i saw the first one was not in the theater i was born in 81 and this came out in 85 but i saw it on tv so i saw the edited for tv version and at the time, when the when a movie came on TV that you would know you would want to see again and again, you would tape it. This was pre-VHS. This was Betamax. So for the longest time, I had the Betamax version of this movie and saw it so many times as a little kid. Uh, two and three actually both came out in the theater when I was of the age to see them. I was so excited to see those by the time it came out. Because, you know, born in 81, I was the perfect age for all these movies to hit at just the right time. Well, and, and you talk about um, about seeing the t- both of you seeing the TV versions. Yeah. So I, I don't know. In my head, I thought that Back to the Future maybe wasn't a Disney film, but was certainly like a family friendly flick. And really, it, it is for the most part, though I was surprised not to sound like a Quaker or something, but I was surprised at how much like 
you know jesus christ and you know <laughs> of uh, other cursing that i would have been like i was surprised to hear and thought oh well that's going to be a one-off and in fact no it's it's <laughs> it's got some colorful language for an otherwise again people think of back to the future as a kids movie at least i've always thought they did well it's it's very layered man i mean you can watch it as a kid and and be totally entertained and enraptured by it. in fact i'd seen it so many times as a kid that when I saw it as an adult, it was on Comedy Central. And I remember thinking to myself, well, this is an interesting choice to put this on Comedy Central because this is just like the most adventurous sci-fi movie. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, it's a comedy. I didn't know that. <laughs> and uh, as, as far as it being PG rated and such, because it had been the television version I had seen so many times and it was such a big part in the movie when the Libyans show up, one of my favorite things to yell was, holy shed. <laughs> which both my and your mother weren't big fans of hearing me yell. Yeah, I'm sure. That it's yeah, I thought that too there um it had been a while since I had seen the first one. I actually watched the third one probably about a year ago. I just randomly jump into some of them whenever I want to. Um but seeing the first one, yeah, there is some uh some risque stuff <laughs> thrown in there that I remembered. There's out there's alcohol use um marty's mom is basically an alcoholic at least in the 80 the original 85 version it's it's interesting how like those things go over your head as a kid because the story itself isn't too hard to follow but it's sort of a movie because they did a really good job with all three of them in this aspect that it's very detail oriented so you kind of notice something you hadn't seen before every time you watch them i wish i had a counter for the number of times when eric and i were watching it that he said now this this writing it's airtight. It's just airtight writing. Oh, man. Every, every time one of those references would come up, and and I had a moment of recognition because, as you said, I know the beats of it. Yeah. So I would look over at you like ah, and you go airtight, airtight writing. <laughs> yeah. Unfor unfortunately, even though Daniel had not seen the movie before, pop culture kind of springs a lot of spoilers and twists and turns on you. So yeah. he kind of knew where we were headed a lot of the time. However, the writing of this movie, they will drop things in there and not do it in a way where it's overly obvious where it's mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, you introduced a thing that I know is going to be the third act. Sure. But yeah, it's they, they really set it up and knock it out of the park. Well, I will say that for a lot of those like self-rentral self-referential moments it was not even really done with a wink and a nod for the most part right you kind of you really had to be paying attention now i think there's an elephant in the room at least in this room uh about the thing that i thought that i really knew about this movie <laughs> and before i'd like before i tell that story i'd like to tell another story so when i was in college um I was trying to broaden my movie horizons and I wanted, I, you know, there was, there were a lot of movies that were on that list. And one of them was, I knew there was this movie about heroin addiction. And there's a scene in that movie where a baby crawls across the ceiling <laughs> and turns his head around and looks at the guy. And in my brain, that movie was Requiem for a Dream. That is not correct. But in my, at the time, that's what I thought. So I watched Requiem for a Dream one of the most difficult films ever to watch. It's a rough one. All the way to the end and yeah. went, where the hell is that baby, that creepy baby? And of course, later found out that that's in Train Spotting, the fun heroin movie, as opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I tell you that story to tell you this story, which is that I, going into Back to the Future, the one thing I knew I knew about Back to the Future was that Marty McFly goes back in time and he boinks his grandma (laughs) and he becomes his own grandfather. Now, I'm telling you that before I watched this movie, I knew that that was part of this movie. And then we got to the end and I was like, wait a minute. He didn't boink his grandma. And (laughs) Eric was like, what? Yeah, no, he didn't do that. Why did you think he would do that? <laughs> I was like, well, and he was like, yeah, he like, he like, uh, get, you know, his mom kind of gets into him. Like, you know, there's that. The, and I was like, yeah, that's super uncomfortable. But I was sure he was going to boink his grandma. <laughs> boink wasn't the term I was using. Um, and then I, re- I have a guess where this might be from Futurama. Do you, have you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, yes. But I, I was thought, wondering if you had pinpointed where you thought it was from. Well, but, but yeah, he, but that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. In the way that so many, especially Futurama you know, and The Simpsons are famous for this, in the way that they wink and a nod refer to pop culture things, I assumed that they were doing a direct reference, not a theoretical, you know, twist on it. I thought that they were, because in my mind, in Back to the Future, Marty McFly becomes his own grandpa. <laughs> I think you might also be throwing in a little bit of Ray Stevens, I'm my own grandpa, which is, it's a bop, kids. Listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, a real, a real barn burner, that one. Yeah, do the kids say bop anymore? <laughs> what do the kids say these days? <laughs> anyway, so I just think it's fair that I watched the entire, for you to know that I watched all of Back to the Future and was sort of cringing waiting for that scene. And it, yeah, I mean, for, would... fortunately, it didn't happen. Although the others, there's a lot of really cringeworthy moments <laughs> in that movie, especially where Biff is involved and the kinds of things yeah. he says to women that, oh, problematic. I, I don't, I mean, maybe back then they landed differently, but sure, sh- shit don't land well today. <laughs> like, well, like I, we all kind of went, oh, bleh. yeah, and it's got so many weird layers to it because it's supposed to be the '50s, which obviously different sensibilities. But then it was made in, in the, the '80s, 80s, which has different sensibilities. And then now we're here, so there's all these layers. And no matter what, at all times, what Biff says is terrible. And yeah. right now, where we've gotten to, it's very obvious to everybody that like. Nah, you can't do and say things like that. I, I have you to. Gotta assu- shape up. Yeah, I mean, there's about thirty years, more or less, between. I mean, there's thirty years between the 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 past and the present in that film, and then there's thirty five yep. years between that movie and now. Um, I guess I hope in '85 that people were cringing at those scenes, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, the the redeeming quality about it is at least it's the bad guy yeah. doing that. It's I the, mean, it's the guy yeah. who. Yeah, it's the guy who then gets his butt kicked. Yeah. In the heroic And then moment. even like uh, George McFly being like a peeping Tom, that's looked down upon oh, too. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So there were moments of that movie that definitely didn't age well. There were certain terms that were, which I know were like, again, looking back at the 50s and kind of yeah. nodding, uh, you mm-hmm. know, shaking your head at the things, especially when it comes to, you know, racial terms um, that nowadays it's just, you kind of go, ooh. <laughs> but anywho, <laughs> all of that aside, uh, um, I think there are probably some more problematic moments in the movie, but we don't have to go there right this second if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun movie. Let's focus yes. on the fun aspects. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is one of those films that is like, I mean, I practically have gotten crucified for saying that I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> Not necessarily by those involved in this podcast, but I there certainly have been people who are like, you haven't seen Back to the Future? What have you been doing living under a rock? And the answer, yeah, I have. <laughs> like, get off my case, man. Uh <laughs> Why, 
I don't know. Is it too early in the in the episode for me to ask? Like, why do you, each of you feel like this is something that is like required viewing? I go back to what you were saying about Eric saying that the the writing is airtight and there's so many details in it that I'll pick up throughout the movie. And I think it's also because the trilogy has this cohesion that no trilogy has because they produced the second and third movie at the same time. So like, especially when you watch the whole trilogy, it just seems like nothing was out of place. Nothing was forgotten. And you oftentimes don't get that in trilogies, especially, I mean, we could talk about some trilogies that have come out recently mm-hmm. that people have had shut big it, issues with. Just shut it. <laughs> For me, uh, so much of it has to do with the DeLorean. It got elevated <laughs> to such a high status in pop culture at the time there were a lot of movies where you you had a hero car mm-hmm. i mean the 89 batmobile the ecto 1 from ghostbusters we had, we just you know kid from night yeah night rider was around those times absolutely and it it was something where uh daniel and i were talking about kind of how delorean had pretty much died out already in 1982 and this brought it roaring back not onto production but into you know the view of pop culture and then i don't know if chops i don't know that what what age you are but when back to the future two and three came out at that time, Pizza Hut was always doing tie-ins into things. Yeah. So <laughs> Pizza Hut would, like, have these sunglasses that were very futuristic, you know, like they wear in the future, 2015, that uh, yeah. that they tied in. You know, Pizza Hut did Ghostbusters stuff and Ninja Turtles and <laughs> X-Men stuff. And, and Casper and, the Friendly Guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I one, remember. And once again, like, I was the age. I was mm-hmm. the age at the time. And, I mean... Daniel, you being seven years younger than me, I will forgive you for not seeing this movie. <laughs> oh, thank you. How yeah, gracious I, you, of you. You're, thank you, you have my, you know, <laughs> official forgiveness, but, you know, everybody who is my age, this was just it, you know? Yeah, I, you and I, about halfway through the movie, took a break for, yeah. I think, think pizza showed up at our door, you know? Right. Um, and you were like, okay, so you're loving it, right? And I was like, you know... I'm I'm on the fence about it. Mm. And I said, I think this is a movie that has been built up so much for so long that I'm not sure what I expected, but it's like it's hard to live up to that kind of hype. And I think that's where people who are so insistent, I I, I mean, I agree, there are classic movies and there you should, people should see them, especially when they are so integrated into pop culture. Um I mean, you said, like, have you seen Rick and Morty? And I said, well, I've seen this. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, that I, I had to take that moment to divorce myself of all of that and go, okay, I need to watch this movie as though I've, I don't know anything about it. In fact, Chops, for once, the spoilers that I've had my whole life did me a disservice. Were a detriment. Did me, did me dirty. <laughs> and so I will say that once I got rid of those notions and – once I figured out that he wasn't going to blink his grandma, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I was like, all right, I can enjoy this. And did end up thinking like, okay, I get why this is like, a, it felt, Karate Kid to me felt, I got more of a feeling of like nostalgia without having ever seen it. 
Does that make sense? Oh yeah. If, like, I, if I, you're I, able to like for you know an hour and eighteen minutes, turn off the cynical adult that lives in 2020 and and deals with everything that's <laughs> that going on. 2020. Yes, and you're allowed to just you know I am going to watch this movie and allow my heart to just experience joy. Uh, th- this will be it. You know, it's 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 one of those. It's a perfect example of a timeless movie, which is funny because time has so much to do with the movie. (laughs) But because of that, they're going back and forth in time. And then, you know, in the other in the trilogy, they start going forward, all this stuff that there is no time to it. So you show this movie to anybody and there's not going to be that much anachronistic stuff to like their everyday life. Honestly, the thing that that to me made me aged the movie the most and of course you can't avoid this at some point is when he Pepsi free (laughs) no although I uh, let's come back to product placements but um, because I actually have a lot to say about that uh was when he was like, Marty, I just came back from 2015. And he's like wearing the gold like p- parachute pants and a, like oh, a plastic man. necktie. That was my favorite thing to wear five years ago. I, <laughs> and that was where I was like, huh, in the future of 2018, I'm not sure that I ever, like maybe on a uh, a runway in Italy, somebody wore that outfit. But... <laughs> oh man, my self-lacing Nikes and my yeah. my jacket that dries itself. None of this is stuff Daniel knows. So, well, <laughs> and I know, and I know about the hoverboard and there was a yeah. the big deal in what was it 2018 is that the year that people were like oh we were promised 20, a hoverboard. 2015 was it yeah. 2015 we were promised a hoverboard I, where is it i like the i like the uh mr fusion which is like a play <laughs> on mr coffee <laughs> yeah as if this coffee maker manufacturer would start going into like home fusion energy which is a throwback to the mr coffee machine in the uh, rube goldberg machine at the beginning of the movie oh, well yeah. the the brilliant thing that they did too is the the real there's a lot of problems they have to solve in this movie but the main problem is not having plutonium that produces the nuclear reaction to power the DeLorean's time circuits to send it back. So, you know, in 1955, the only thing that produces that 1.21 gigawatts, which... What a fool I was! It's honestly gigawatts. Uh, yes, but, we know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> would be a bolt of lightning. But it's it's kind of a clever nod when they come back and they say, okay, we had a situation where we didn't have the plutonium and it was really touch and go there for a second, but now I've got the Mr. Fuse. So right. we're good here. That, uh, to We've me, solved that problem. Yeah, another thing for the another check for the writing, man. That writing. It's airtight. It's airtight. And then it and then it's funny, uh, just to bring up the third one real quick, it comes back around as like the same problem but different, where he breaks his gas line right. and they can't figure out how to power the car just the car. Right. So now they have Mr. Fusion and they can definitely get the you know the nuclear reaction they need, but they can't get the car started because all they have no gasoline in right. I think yeah. it's uh eighteen eighty five. Yes, they have to solve the eighty eight miles per hour problem. So mm-hmm. it's it, it, I mean riding. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Alvin Sylvester, Alan Silvestri's soundtrack too. All those all those classic classic movies mm-hmm. are the mm-hmm. ones that I can start playing you part of the soundtrack, not just the main song, right? But part of the soundtrack, and you go, oh, that is this movie, and you know your Star Wars, your Indiana Jones movies like that, with those classic Jurassic soundtrack. Park. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with John yeah. with John Williams, the thing, well. 
we can let's do another episode about John Williams. It's all it's all you it's all like iconic and it all sounds the same and it's all stolen. <laughs> but, well, <laughs> but I but I do still love John Williams. Alan Silvestri with the uh time travel soundtracks. Yeah. Endgame anybody? Really? Yeah. I don't know that I knew that. Whoa. I didn't know that either. Whoa. Inception. <laughs> one, one thing I want to mention about this, uh, it's this is an offshoot of what we've been talking about but the a thing that makes the movie work so well i think is the cast i think oh, christopher man. glover's a weird effing dude but <laughs> he he's perfect for this role the, ah, 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 and he pours that whole bowl of peanut brittle he's great <laughs> Leah, Leah Thompson does a great job, and then Marty McFly, Doc Brown is perfect. He, the the faces oh, he makes, one hundred percent. When he lights the rags on fire, and then they do a callback to that. He makes the same face when the cord comes on, comes undone. Oh when, yeah, with the tree what's, what's really funny but, is Eric looking at me and going, Lou, "He's gonna make the face," and he like Christopher <laughs> Lloyd like unhinges his jaw, yeah, <laughs> and it was just he, I just it it, it again I've seen it once, but it has to be iconic when you like wait he's gonna he's about to make the face. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd's in that uh, in that category with like Robin Williams and Jim Carrey, where like only he can bring this special aspect to a role. Sure. So he's perfect. But Marty McFly, uh, played by Michael J. Fox, he does such a good job, and we were this close to not having it. They filmed a pretty good chunk of this movie with Eric Stoltz, which is funny that you bring up a, a heroin movie. <laughs> when you were talking about this, because Eric Stoltz, what I think he's most famous for, at least in my mind, I don't know his whole filmography, but he's in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And he's the one who supplies the adrenaline needle. But yeah, they filmed there. I mean, there's test footage and everything. They were filming this movie with Eric Stoltz and they just they couldn't quite figure it out. And the story goes that the hardest part, they wanted Michael J. Fox from the beginning, but he was in uh, Fam- All in the Family. Family Ties. Family, family Ties. ties. Yeah. Alex P. He Keaton. Was, yeah, so he was in Family Ties, and his schedule just couldn't fit it. But they eventually found out a way that like he would like film Back to the Future at night, and then go film Family Ties during the day, and they made it work, and all for the better. He was the right casting choice. It, now, isn't it still the case that there are a couple of shots where you like have the back of Eric Stoltz's head? They like use oh, yeah. the B footage, yeah, or whatever the other you know the C, the that- B shot. Yeah, and I've that would se- make sense. I've seen that Eric Stoltz footage, and it is just—it would have been a different movie. It, it, I think all the best movies coming up are happy accidents in a way. The the shark not working in Jaws, mm-hmm. them fixing the original Star Wars and the edit, uh, Harrison Ford having stomach problems right. the day he was supposed <laughs> to do the fight with the guy and, with and the just gun ends up yeah. shooting him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's yeah. It's a happy accident. Spielberg seems to and. We- I- seems to be able to just kind of like have those miracles happen he's just kind of touched like special touched in that way you know what i mean (laughs) i think the thing about that too is like creative people they're probably at their best when they have to solve a problem if everything's just going so smoothly then you just do it all as planned and you you get it but when you're presented a problem and you have to come up with something an extra level more creative than what you originally planned you kind of make movie magic i want to say john favreau they did that mandalorian documentary and i want to say his he said like the the most important thing in filmmaking is solving problems uh mm-hmm. is like finding solutions and that's right. how innovation happens right um so it's, yeah interesting you would you would say that because i think that's probably true yeah you also get that when you're having a movie made by a person with vision mm-hmm. and so many movies these days are made by committee i sure. mean there's a bunch of writers and they gotta th- show everything to a studio and the studio 
does market research on what's going to play best in the foreign market. And there's just so much tinkering around. And then they around. do test yeah. screenings oh, and yeah. change things uh-huh. after the movie's already finished. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about how weird Crispin Glover is for a second. <laughs> and I want to talk about how hot Leah Thompson was for a second. Uh, I said, like, has Crispin Glover ever been any, in anything where he's not just w- super weird and unhinged? And I think the answer is no. Absolutely Name not. Name a film Correct. where he's played a character that isn't that. The greatest Crispin Glover story is that he didn't like the writing in the Charlie's Angel movie where he plays the villain. And they wouldn't change it. So he just refused to speak. And that's why his character in that movie doesn't speak at all. There you go. Well, actually, and also he refuses to come. He refused to come back for the sequels of Back mm-hmm. to the Future. So that he won actually, a lawsuit. yeah, and that that made them. His character is in too, but it's another actor that they're hanging upside down, right? To make it so people won't notice it's not him. Yeah. <laughs> I, the only other thing I think I remembered seeing him in was Willard. Oh yeah, and oh, I, I saw Hot Tub Time I Machine. I saw Willard in theaters. Wow. Yeah, right? Why? Why I saw Willard in theaters, I'm not sure. But Who took you to see Willard in theaters? I would have been, tw- been 12 or 13. Yikes. No, I was 14. I mean, somebody drove me there, but I, you know, I was sure. old enough to see a movie. Um, you stumped me, Daniel. I don't even know what Willard is. Willard is the one where he like uh, plays a super weirdo um, who controls rats. <laughs> um, it's the one where he plays a super weirdo. It's, oh, it's, you mean the documentary about Crispin Glover? Yeah, yeah. No, it's the one where he's he plays another weirdo, but a weirdo has control of rats, and it's like his weird superpower. And then he ends. I don't know. He ends up getting the girl with rats. I don't know how that one ends. It's a documentary. It's really weird. is what it is. Uh, and then Leah Thompson, who was real hot. She oh, was. Man. Oh man. I like mom. You're ha ha. <laughs> you're so thin. And she and I and I, it is funny. Airtight writing, right? Where there's like she must have been a nun. I don't know. And she's like the horniest. Marty, yeah. I would have never sat in boys or in cars with boys. Yeah. Not only does Marty reference it, but then she does it at the dinner table where oh, she yeah. says. Like, I would have never done that. And then immediately he gets back to 1955 and she is the highest level of teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, anybody who's anybody drinks Marty. Yeah. Well, and I and the uh, the in the car where he's like, you know, when sometimes you need, you know, you need to do a thing, but you you just feel like you can't do the thing. She's like, you mean on first dates? (laughs) It's like, God. (laughs) Yeah. She's she's trying to get him to sleep over in her room. She's looking at his underwear. That's how how the whole Calvin Klein joke happens. I've never seen purple underwear before. (laughs) Where are my pants? Over there on my hope chest. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Anywho. Now, so interesting, uh, as I said, the last time we did a Leftovers episode uh, with that wasn't like themed uh, was Karate Kid. And uh, the Elizabeth Shoe connection came up. Yeah. Because she was in Karate Kid 1 and then bowed out for the others. And you were, we were talking about the fact that in Back to the Future 2, they have to refilm the scene at the end because they have to swap out the love interest. Yeah, the, the scene at the end of Back to the Future is the beginning scene of Back to the Future 2, but refilmed. And Jennifer mm-hmm. in the two final movies are played by Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I, 
Weird wild trivia. Here's my brain. Here's my <laughs> my connection is, you know, we're talking about how Leah Thompson was the horniest teenager to ever teenager. But then I thought about Elizabeth Shue, who was also like <laughs> in Karate Kid when she was, you know, anyway. All over Daniel. Yeah. All over him. Not you, Daniel. Daniel LaRusso. Uh, well. The Karate Kid. Yeah, there's a, there was a whole lot of that would be problematic about that. Anyway, speaking of problematic, <laughs> uh, I got to I, I have to tell you that as I was watching the movie, I was like, isn't it a little like... Um, not cool that the only reason that the black guy decides to run for mayor and the black like rock and roll is invented by like a stupid white kid (laughs) that's such a weird that one's the biggest circular logic is like okay the the mayor one that's like a small town like maybe but yeah that's the idea that chuck when you start thinking about time travel too much it just always gets you into that sense because like at the end you know even at the end he's he goes back to the mall and he's seeing himself and you know oh is he gonna go back in time and it's like of course he goes back in time he's there but like what would like what would happen if he caught himself from going back in time would he still be there it's you can't think about time travel too much you just have to kind of let it be yeah i I, i'll admit that when we got to that point in the movie i i was about to be like ah not so airtight and i had to wait (laughs) i had to hold my tongue because in fact they did then account for how the loop would have happened did you notice the mall name the lone yeah the lone pine mall i called that although that's one of those things where if you've heard anything about the lore around back to the future you know that like hey guys how clever that he hits one of the pine trees and then it's the lone pine mall instead it it is clever clever. it is clever it's played out now that you know now that everybody knows it but it is clever when it first happened Uh, again i was tainted by 30 years plus of like pop culture you know references and all that stuff so I I'll I'll step away from the cynic for a second. I'll enjoy this movie. Yeah, Back to the Future is definitely like a movie you'll find on like listicles where it's like thirteen details in Back to the Future that are out of this world. Right. And now everybody <laughs> knows them, and now they're not that now. Yeah, and it, it makes them seem more plain when you know they're going to happen or anything. One easter egg i like to point out is the music he plays for george mcfly when he visits him from outer space is van halen Darth vader from planet Vulcan. yeah it's van <laughs> yeah. halen well and then doesn't he later uh play like the eddie van halen solo from uh in during the during the dance i don't know yeah if he throws at least emulating. during johnny be good he throws in a little van halen-esque tapping yeah. on the okay, guitar yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah <laughs> It might be too much for you. Your, your kids are going to love it. <laughs> Chops, let's let's see if you have this trivia question. As a musician, I got I to gotta throw this one out there. There all is right. a cameo by a musician in all three Back to the Future movies, different musicians. Can you name okay. them all? It's ZZ Top in the third one. That one's easy. Oh, yeah. The second one... I'm not sure the second one is. I, I feel like it should be Billy Idol. I think he would really fit in well. <laughs> in the, like the the things they throw in and the first one i don't know either i but i do know the zz top one so when marty is auditioning for the battle of the bands and uh-huh. the guy holds up the megaphone and says i'm oh, sorry yeah, that's, that's, that's Huey Huey lewis, lewis right oh yeah. yeah and then in the second and he also shows up in the third needles who convinces marty to do the yes. thing is flea. I did know that one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I didn't know it off the top of my head, but when I see that scene <laughs> oh, when he's yeah. about to do the race, I'm like, yeah, that's you You're like, wait it. a minute. That's flea. <laughs> All right. So now you're going to have to do the thing. We've talked enough. Of, we've talked around this enough that you're going to have to tell me about two and three. 
I know okay. two has the direct tie-in because as we said, that movie starts with the scene that ends the original Back to the Future. So let's start mm-hmm. there because we did we've done this before. So you tell me, try to convince me of why not only should I have watched Back to the Future, but now I need to go on and watch the other ones. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do two things at once. I'm going to tell you how brilliant Back to the Future is, but I'm also going to tell you that you don't need to see two and three. Okay. Oh, okay. Chop. I disagree. I think the trilogy is perfect. I think you need to see two and three. All right. <laughs> I, I love this. I'm wringing my hands. All right. Debate for me. Let's Dance. do it. I Dance. Love, <laughs> I, like I said earlier, I love that two and three were produced at the same time. So there's so many little tie-ins in oh, that yeah. one. There's There are there are things they introduce in the second one just to be in the third one. And I just, it's really fun if you can watch them. Maybe it's because I bought the trilogy and watched them all like at once in my first run through. I just watched them all probably in the same weekend that I had a really good time with that. I will say one nitpick I have with that beginning scene uh, of the second one ending scene of the first is it's a great line where we're going. We don't need roads. Classic line. Everybody loves it. I love it too. But he goes, Doc, you don't have enough road. Whereas he literally just last night <laughs> went back in time by getting to 88 on that street by pulling out of the driveway and going. So that's well, one nitpick there. I don't think he backed up far enough. I guess he could have backed up a little <laughs> There further. wasn't a paint, li- paint line on the road. Speaking, you know, of, speaking of cars in that scene, the way the truck is in the garage makes no sense. <laughs> oh, the, the, the very kind of sideways the the display yeah, if, angle. If they pulled yeah. it out straight, it would drive into the wall, not only into the wall of the garage, but into the house. So I don't even know how they got it in that because way. Because they wanted it to look like the showroom floor. I can't be- yeah. believe we still haven't talked about product placement. But anyway, I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, counterpoint. I, I will agree with Chops in that the way they dovetail two into three, and actually the way two goes back into one in an incredibly meta way, they actually show scenes from one in two where they show them, you know, going through the background of these scenes, operating behind the scenes in, and that that is utterly brilliant how they do that just brilliant um the way they bring that to three the way that they that they like chop said set up stuff in two that is resolved in three i mean once again airtight i can't i hate to keep using that but my and, and like i say absolutely watch two and three but at the same time one they didn't they didn't have two and three planned when they made one they just made this movie and shot that ending scene to be fun. Mm-hmm. So, thought, just, so your point is that it just it stands on its own two legs. It really it does. It doesn't need two and three. There's there's one thing. There's one little nitpick about two and three that they introduce, where there's a scene where they're trying to get Marty to do something, and they start calling him a chicken. And he says, "Nobody calls me chicken." Like it's a like it's this big thing that, that has had been, been introduced been before and and that's new and actually if a long time goes by and you haven't seen those movies you actually start to think oh they yeah they did that in one too they did the nobody calls me chicken thing but they absolutely now, he pretty much yeah. just stands up to biff the whole time just without right any egging on is, is it a credit though 
is it a credit to the film that you have to sit there and go wait a minute they act like this it is a thing be. you should remember it but. might be and 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 also they they do a lot of mirroring in two and three that's i think i'm talking myself out of my own I was gonna, <laughs> they do well, this the, they do this incredibly brilliant thing in both two and three where marty wakes up in the bed and it was all a terrible dream and in two it's Oh, you're here in the like Biff's tower, and he's like Biff's tower, and it, and it's his mom. And then in three, he's like, Oh, you're safe and sound I'll back here in the year 1885, 1885, and yeah. and and they writing is airtight. They do this thing <laughs> over and over again, where there the scenes where Marty and Doc pace back and forth towards and away from the camera they do that they do doc makes and the then, yeah i was going to say they flip it their uh their their words they flip them in the third one finally where marty goes great scott and oh, doc goes this is heavy this is heavy yeah yeah the <laughs> doc makes the model again in back to the future 3 where the train's going to yep. push it over the trestle i mean the the way that it uh, i mean give it all to the writers there's something incredibly satisfying from knowing the movies well enough to yeah pick out all these little things that they threw in in the second and third one they also give marty the chance to play multiple roles you could argue he plays four or five roles in the i think it's five because you could argue there's there's marty from the first one yeah so that's one role there's marty now the current main character of the second one right there's marty mcfly jr his son right he plays the daughter as well yep and then he plays old marty mcfly and he also plays seamus mcfly in, in the third three. one yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he was doing tyler perry before tyler perry did tyler perry <laughs> gosh problematic um i so i sorry when we were talking about the 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 staging of those scenes where the pacing back and forth yeah the, the light bulb went up over my head so christopher lloyd came up in theater like that he got started in, in the 60s okay. and 70s in theater and so that is would be as someone with a little theater in my background uh <laughs> that to me very much read not not even as a film uh right. staging of a scene but as a theater staging of a scene i don't know that's all that's my one contribution uh <laughs> you know he also played gregory mcflood <laughs> another one other easter egg that i always like to point out while we're talking about roles is uh biff has a famous henchman he's yes. not famous when, he, when he's there but he's famous now and he's one of my, he's one of my favorite actors because of titanic i love billy zane yeah it's funny i saw his name in the end credits and couldn't couldn't have told you who he was in the movie and finally today as we were prepping i was like uh okay so billy zane in this we need to figure out who who he actually is so he's he's, he's just one of biff's lackeys i don't even think he has confronting the band after they lock marty in the trunk he, he might have a line there because that's like the only time those guys really talk at all his only line might have been the problematic one yeah uh <laughs> he says something in the diner he's the one with the uh with the like boxing style gloves oh, on yeah. so he has a couple of like get him biff style lines that's another do? jump they, ship? uh in in two two and three biff the the character that biff is playing he's like an old he, you know he's a future biff and then uh 1885 biff but he has like the same little 
group of you know guys Rockies. following him around. The second one I think is the best group because of the hoverboard scene. Oh man! And they go, McFly, you bojo. Hoverboards don't work on water unless you've got power. <laughs> <laughs> and then they pull out they pull out Biff's you know rocket propelled hoverboard. <laughs> so what you're saying, Daniel, is we're watching two and three. Oh gosh! No, like no, right no, after no, this, no, you don't have to. But <laughs> if you if you love the pop culture stuff and you love like the weirdness of oh it was because he was wearing that and it was 2015. Wait till you see 2015. <laughs> Ronald Reagan as Max Headroom. Um, like was was Crystal Pepsi? Was no, it wasn't. It was some kind of weird Pepsi bottle. Uh, okay, they were like, isn't there like Jaws, a Jaws eighteen 40? or what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something. Oh man, which that's a whole nother a whole other level of meta when you think oh, about sure. the fact that it's produced by you know Steven Spielberg's production company. Absolutely. And then this one, this one, they were incredibly close to. They they joke in the 2015 one that the Cubs finally won the World Series. Yeah, and in real life, the Cubs won the World Series finally in 2016. So they were actually really close. It's about the only thing they were close to. Well, yeah, uh, Biff. Biff is modeled after a certain uh, certain president, but we don't have to go there either. Well, in two, he <laughs> definitely is, and that that yeah. got a little meta. Yeah. Anyway, um, I want to talk about product <laughs> Let's do it because. I don't know that I've, uh, man, I've seen a lot of movies and you guys have seen a lot of movies. I don't know that I've ever seen a movie where I was just so beat over the head with product placement as in this movie. Maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I'm just fooling myself, but I was so aware of the like Pepsi, Bud Light. Or Miller Light, sorry. Miller and Light. Bud Light. And there's a no there's a yeah, no, there's a Bud Light at the at the table. His sister's right. drinking a Bud Light at dinner. Texas, Biff grabs a yeah. Miller Light. And then there's a Miller High Life at the end that he throws into Mr. Fusion. And a They're Miller very, High Life truck. And, yeah. Yeah. And Texaco and the Volkswagen Pepsi. and BMW and more pa more Pepsi. Uh Burger King. Turtle Turtle Wax. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't know that I've ever seen a movie where I <laughs> felt like i could well, count the product placements on hands and feet in like two when they're in the future they're about to enjoy a pizza and it's from pizza hut and mm -hmm. it starts small and they hydrate it and it grow, grows to like family size <laughs> oh yeah yeah but it's funny too because the movie uh is basically filmed all on back lots except for that first scene where marty leaves uh doc's garage and he goes on his skateboard and he goes by a Burger King and a Toys R Us and like, you know, whatever it is, maybe a Radio <laughs> right. Shack, whatever it might be. So, yeah, even right there, they get you started on the product placement right there. And then it's to that that back lot with the town square with the with the courthouse, which trivia fact, what other movie is famous for being filmed on that lot? Oh, man. Um, it's another classic 80s movie. I don't have it. Gremlins. Of course, oh, yeah. it's that same city square, but it's all covered in snow. Obviously. Of course, it's interesting. We talked about um, the colorful language in Back to the Future that I didn't expect, which brought up the question in in our you know pre pre talk about uh, when the PG thirteen rating came up, and if it was Temple of Doom and Gremlins that caused the Motion Picture yep. Association of America to be like, listen, we need another rating between PG and R, and man spielberg <laughs> it's just spielberg was controlling the industry in the 80s oh yeah if spielberg did it 
in you know late seventies and in the eighties. If Spielberg did it, then it was the way we were going to do things. Not to and not to argue I, that he's no longer relevant, but you get my point. <laughs> an unfortunate side effect of the PG thirteen rating, just as a tangent here, is that most people have used it to lower r-rated stuff and take stuff out to get it to pg-13 rather than its intended use to punch up a pg movie to have just a little bit more oomph to it sure so which is i think bad we there are things you're going to take out of a movie that just make them worse it's why horror movies are just so bad now because all they want to do is get them to pg-13 so a bunch of teenagers can go well don't you know that if a teenager sees breasts once it's fine but three times (laughs) it's going to just warp them for life and if yeah, you, and, and they're if, not gonna the f word. I heard that f word in there, but I don't remember it. But if they hear it more than once, if they they're hear it a second time. Know the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> repetition. Jeez. Anywho, thank you for letting me finally talk about product. <laughs> so I, well, I, it, I, I just love that scene when he's in the diner. Give me a tab. Well, I can't give you a tab unless you order some. Well, give me a Pepsi free. Well, no, you're gonna have to pay for it. Just give me something without any sugar. <laughs> And you end up giving him coffee, right? One thing I want to bring up, how many iconic quotes come from this movie? I don't know. Tell me them. Tell me the number of them. Well, 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, You know, the The the, 88 miles per hour thing. 88 miles per hour. Great Scott. This is heavy. It's just... Where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, man. Yeah. It's... Why don't you make like a tree and get (laughs) Get the hell out out of here? here. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if I I've never thought about those as being that iconic of lines and but yeah, you're right. <laughs> I I also I'm particularly a fan of it's not as iconic, but Lorraine, I am your density. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that one's funny. He's he's so I got to tell you something. I thought I was going to be really off-put by that character in and as <laughs> as like pre-time travel 1985 dad. I am yeah. very off put by that character, but I, <laughs> I, yeah, I love George McFly in 55, man. He, I was like, all right, I'm behind this now. Yeah. You are my density. It's hey, so good. Hey, you get your damn hands off. <laughs> Do, should I curse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was visited by Darth Vader from planet Vulcan. And then he goes, let's keep that stuff between us. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the book. We, you were talking yeah, about the, tight, the, the, the airtight which, writing, and then that's the book. One thing I don't understand is they're, so they're more successful because he stood up to Biff, and now Biff is their like maintenance guy, even yeah. though he tried to you know, sexually assault the uh, yeah. mother in the whatever. Past that, they're more successful. The, the children are more successful because of it, but still eat lunch or breakfast at the parents' house, whatever. But it's his first book. Thank so you. What, what has <laughs> he done George up to this McFly point? Doing? Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, just, well, he's just an up-and-comer, just in general. You know? <laughs> he's, a mo- he's a mover. He's a shaker. I thought I thought of that, too, that it's like um, that it was his first novel. They could have solved that easily by saying it's like, it's the 12th reprint right. of your your very first novel you know what i mean yeah something like that but i yeah that that was like okay so then why are they more successful and if they're more the the second movie does a better job of like changing like big picture things but oh, this one yeah. it's just like the house is nicer but they still live in the same house mm-hmm. it, I, which also, is, <laughs> I also thought it was funny that the shot of the living room which I'm sure in 1985 really would have made you think of how fancy the house was. Oh, yeah. I looked at it and thought, that's ugly. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look that fancy to me. Oh, it's it's painted white, so it's fancy. 
I guess maybe that is what <laughs> it is nowadays. Or that you know. It reminds me of uh, in Goodfellas when they show off their house, and it's just the tackiest thing of yes. all time. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a leftovers episode, right? I mean, in in our in our uh, parlance. Yeah. So I guess are we now to the point where we would talk about what if this is leftovers mm-hmm. for you two? For me, it's a new meal. What leftovers are Back to the Future? If you had to compare them to a leftovers reheat, I would say it is a fine Pizza Hut meal with Pepsi to drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the second, just the next day. Yeah, absolutely. You you rehydrate it, and you drink your Pepsi free. I mean that that holds up. I was gonna call it lasagna because I think lasagna is something that's actually better. The second time you eat it after it's sat in the fridge and like everything's had more of a chance to work together. And I think this movie gets better with age and it's still filling and there's plenty to it. I would compare it to uh, a TV dinner because (laughs) now listen, well, I, I, it's not leftovers for me. It's a new meal for me. (laughs) I would compare it to a TV dinner. And here's why when TV dinners came out, they thought that was the most futuristic thing they could have thought of. So it's got the time aspect. TV dinners are one of those things that are com- like easy and comfortable in this way that I can imagine. Like if Back to the Future is on TV, you put it on because you know it. If you're not cynical about your your enjoyment of it, you can enjoy a TV dinner. It's not, again, not fine cuisine, but you can enjoy it. But if you try to be too sophisticated, you're going to turn your nose up at it. And I think that's how, where where Back to the Future lands for me is that if you can turn off your cynicism and turn off the bad things that people might say about it or the thing, not the bad things, but the things that people say about it, the notions yeah. that your head is filled with that you can enjoy it. Well, I'll take that. Yeah, And I think there's a little aspect of uh, Eric kind of mentioned it, how modern movie making is so by committee and stuff like that, that a lot of people, I think, think that, Oh, it's a popular movie. It, it you know, it can't be as, as, artistic or as good as some of the movies that have real craftsmanship. But I think this is an example of back in the eighties and, you know, before we are where we are now that movies, even though they were just popular and for the everyman, I think they were still great. And they had just, just the right amount of creativity in them that it didn't seem like a sellout type movie. Well, guys, I think that wraps us up. Um, thanks for joining us on Nerd Association. I'd like to thank our special guest, my brother from another mother, Eric Barnett. Uh, you can find him on ericbarnettmusic.com. His latest album is Shipwreck in a Bottle, and you can get that wherever albums are sold and or listened to. Eric, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. If you uh, are interested in touching base with us here on Nerd Association, you want to tell us, uh, again, we love suggestions for Leftovers episodes. Tell us what your favorite Back to the Future line is. You can find us on Twitter at Nerd That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also email us. Maybe you have some show suggestions or you could come on, be one of our nerds. You can email us at nerdassoc at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today and we'll check in with you next week.